It's great back to be with. Great to be back with you again. I missed you. I feel confident that I've missed you a whole lot more than you've missed me. But uh, it's really wonderful to be back and be able to be here with you again. If you'll if you'll give me an opportunity, I want to uh, express appreciation and just say a word of appreciation. I appreciate all the prayers that you've made on behalf of our family, uh, myself and my wife. And uh, we've had, uh, you know, we had a real scare with my wife. I think uh, most of you may be aware of that. And so I'm thankful that she's back home and she's taking a turn for the better. And uh, just, uh, you, you know, I think sometimes God knows what we need a long time before we need it. And for some reason, he knew that when we got sick, we were going to need the doctors from this church to help us out. And uh, without a doubt, they have. I, I appreciate Dr. Bazell helping us from the get-go. And, and then Dr. Elwell in the hospital. If you ever go to the hospital, he's the one you want. And uh, I just uh, appreciate them so much. I appreciate all of you. Um, I uh, was sick, but I took a turn for the better about day seven. And uh, every day got a little better after that. And uh, my wife had a harder time than I did. She has a, a heart condition. And, and so uh, I'm just thankful. We had to uh, have the ambulance check her to the hospital a couple of times. And um, she's home now. And I'm just very thankful for that. It's a great crowd this morning. It's good to have all of you here. Thanksgiving, by the way, I said this to one of the classes. I want to say it to all of you. Thanksgiving can take on different meanings depending upon what we, what we are. Uh, you know, I'm thankful this year not for turkey, uh, but I'm thankful that uh, we came through a sickness and I'm thankful my wife is alive and home and doing well. And I'm thankful to God for all that. So Thanksgiving, I told my daughter, I said, uh, uh, we didn't have our family celebration, but, but uh, this may be the best Thanksgiving we've had. So you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, this, uh, this candle is also known as the prophet's candle, and I'm not going to preach about, uh, well, I am going to preach about the Lord. I hope I preach about the Lord every week, but uh, I am going to talk about the Lord, but I'm not going to talk about uh, Christmas. But if you'll look with me in Luke chapter 5, uh, our text is found in verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I encourage you, if you have your Bible, to follow me. It's up on the screen there. If you want to follow there, that's. That's fine. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, uh, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for this particular day. We thank you for this season. We thank you for the Thanksgiving season. We have so much to be thankful for. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Advent season as we begin today. And we pray your blessings upon us as we go through this busy, busy time. And as Elizabeth has already said, Heavenly Father, help us to take time uh, to concentrate upon you. And Ben and Lola as well, help us to take time to think about you during this time. Now, Father, as we look into your word for a few minutes, I pray for you that you will bless us. And I pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By the way, this is a great crowd today. I am I'm so pleased at the crowd. This, this particular Sunday is always down. And I believe we had more than I, a whole lot more than I expected. I'm, I'm just thrilled that you're here. I hope that your being here will be a blessing uh, today. Certainly a blessing for all the rest of us. And it's kind of interesting with the way we've blocked off some of the pews. Some of you are sitting in different places. Uh, and so if I think you're not here, it's because you're not sitting where you normally sit. So you know that, that happens as well. So, uh, uh, some of these folks down, down close to the front, see, we do this so you would get, get you a little closer to the front, you know. So, but it's, it's great for all of you to be here. Helen Keller, uh, the great woman that did so much, even though she was so handicapped, you know the story of Helen Keller. She said, life is either a great adventure or it is nothing at all. And what I want to talk to you about today is the great adventure of following the Lord Jesus Christ. The great adventure that's involved as we, as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to look at the passage here just for a moment and, and uh, try to pick up something. Uh, one of the commentators, Alan, Alan Culpepper, that uh, I trust and follow, said that what Luke has done is he has given us a psychologically acceptable reason for why when Jesus just walked by that day, as it says in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20, uh, Jesus walked by and called them, they left everything and followed him. This gives us a little of the background of the story and helps us to understand why they were willing to leave everything and, and follow him at this time. And this was not the first time they'd come to know Jesus. If you, if you know about Mark 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 16 to to 20, then you also know in the first chapter of John, it speaks about a connection that all these disciples had with Jesus even before he called them to be the, the, the disciples. And so this was not by any means the first time they had seen him. As a matter of fact, if you look at uh, your passage there, if you've got your Bible open, look back in chapter 4, verse 38. It says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. See, he knew Simon personally already. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from high fever. They asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. So these guys knew Jesus already, and he knew them. There had been some connection and contact already before this particular event happened. This is sort of a, 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 an explanation of what happened in Mark chapter 1. 
Now, the people were crowding around him because Jesus spoke the Word of God. Jesus was the Word of God, and Jesus spoke the Word of God. And we have that reference here from Luke that, that Jesus was speaking the Word of God to them. They wanted to hear the Word of God. He's not in a synagogue. He's outside. I thought, about, I thought about John Wesley's statement that John Wesley used to go out and preach in the fields. He said, it's really nice to stand in, in a nice sanctuary and preach the Word of God. But he said, field preaching saves souls. And that's kind of the picture here. Jesus is out beyond the synagogue where they did not accept him. He's out beyond the synagogue. And he's talking to the people that would come. And they crowded around him. Now, you take that seriously. If you've ever lived in a third world country, you know how people in those countries crowd around you. And they crowded around him. So he got in a boat, pushed it out, had sort of his own, uh, you know, created amphitheater there and taught him from the boat. Got a beautiful picture. I, 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 wish, I wish we could see a picture of that today to, to, to get the idea of what was going on as he, as he taught them. He taught them from the boat there. These guys had fished all night long. And they hadn't caught anything. They're tired. They're hungry. They're ready to go home and see mom and take a nap. Relax a little bit. And this is what, this is what happened. So when Jesus got through teaching, he said to them, you know, uh, he said, uh, look, if you'll look down in verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I know we got, we got several people here in this congregation that are fishermen, real fishermen. I'm not a fisherman. But I have fished. And I've gone out to fish with people that knew how to fish. And one of the things that I learned from those guys is that you don't fish for the deep, for the, for the fish in the deep water. You generally fish around the shore, and they'll, they'll put the boat out in the water and cast back in toward the shore in order to fish. Uh, interesting thing that happened to us one time. Uh, the last time, matter of fact, I took my dad fishing. We were in Colorado, in, uh, Shadow Lake, uh, there in Colorado, and uh, I took my dad. Uh, he was he was getting a little more feeble. He always loved to fish. He was getting a little more feeble at that time. Took him in. So I asked the guy where we rented the boat. I said, "How do you where where do you catch the fish in this in this lake?" And so he brought out a map. And the map had the, 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 the symbol of the stream bed that had been there before they created the lake, the stream bed. And he said, if you'll troll that stream bed, you'll catch fish. And so that's what we did. We trolled that stream bed. We trolled out to the dam. We trolled back. We trolled out. And we came in with a stringer full of fish. Now, the other people have been fishing there, and they've been fishing the normal way. And, uh, you know, they hadn't caught anything. And everybody came over to look at us and took pictures and and, uh, and I'm no fisherman, you realize this. Took pictures of us and said, how in the world did you catch so many fish? I said, well, you just got to know where the fish are. <laughs> and that was the last time I took it. We got pictures of the last time I took my dad fishing. It was quite a deal. Well, uh, we can say the same thing about the Lord, right? If you ever fish in the ocean, they, have the, they use the fish finders, and they know exactly where to go in order to, uh, they do that in the big lakes too, know exactly where to go in order to, to catch the rocks and catch the place where the fish stay. But Jesus, of course, was God. Jesus knew where the fish were, and so he, he told them, push out into the lake. Now, I want, you to, I want you to notice what Simon said. Master, 
Verse 5, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. You know, uh, just put yourself in his shoes. You've, you're, you are a professional fisherman. That's the way you make your living. And a carpenter comes up and tells you to go out there to fish <laughs> and, and, and catch fish. You got the picture, right? I mean, what would you say? Uh, listen, Lord, uh, no, no disrespect meant, Lord, but I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. You're telling me how to fish. And besides that, they're tired, whatever. They're ready to go home. They've already cleaned up their nets. They're ready to go home. But Peter knew something was going on with this, this Lord. And so Peter said, but at your word, at your word, Lord, I will do it. And he went out and got the catch of his entire life. So much so that they had to get the other boat to come over to help him. And both boats were about to, about to sink in, in, in the situation. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Well, um, by the way, God always gives us more than enough. You remember when he fed 5,000? When it was all done, they picked up 12 basketfuls, right? I mean, he always gives more than enough. And in this case, he gave more than enough. And I think maybe there's some reasons for that. And we'll get to it later. Down in verse 8. It takes a jump. The story takes a jump. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now, you may wonder exactly how that happened or why. But you see, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, every time someone saw God, the first thing they did was realize that they were a sinner and they asked for repentance. Okay, so, so Isaiah sees God in the sixth chapter of Isaiah. You remember, high and lifted up, seated on the throne. What did he say? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Job spends his whole, his whole, the whole book of Job, he's arguing with God. And by, by the way, uh, if you've been around the Christian life very long, you know what it is to argue with God, too. You know? He's arguing with God the whole time, but then God appears to him in verse 42, and he said, I've talked about you, and I've heard about you, but now I've seen you, and all I can do is repent. See, all through the Bible, when someone came in contact with God, they repented. That's exactly what happened with Peter. I mean, this happened, and he was, they were astonished. They realized that this didn't happen because of a, a mere man telling them something. This was God at work, and as God was at work in this particular situation, he 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 realized that he needed to say, you know, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. And I know you don't like sin, God. Go away from me. But God was there in grace. The Lord was there in grace with him and not in, in terms of wrath in this particular, this particular case. So it says, Jesus said to, in verse 10, they were all amazed. And then in the last part of verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch fish for uh, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats, and they, this is they, his conversation seems to, be, seems to be with Simon, but all four of these guys were involved in this. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Now, the question you want to ask sometimes is, what about their families? 
Now we know James and John had a father, and 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 we also know that Simon had a wife and a mother-in-law, right? I mean, we've already read those verses. He had a wife and a mother-in-law. And so, what about all the fish? You know what I think? I think God provided for their family when they followed him. That fish would provide for that family for months and months and maybe years. That much fish that they caught. They left everything. And if you remember the story of the rich young ruler, and the story of the rich young ruler, you know, the rich young ruler is unwilling to give up what he had and to give it to, to, to the Lord, and he went away sorry. And what did Peter say? Lord, we left everything to follow you. If you'll even look down in verse, verse 27, you'll see the same thing happened with Matthew or Levi when they called him in a tax booth. Follow me. Levi got up and left everything and followed him. And that day with the rich young ruler, Peter said, we've left everything to follow you. And what did the Lord say to, P to Peter? He said, no one has left anything really to follow me because I will take care of you. That's exactly what he said. I, I, I have a good friend, and we went through missionary orientation together. And there in missionary orientation, we were, you know, he was a dentist and had a lucrative practice. Uh, had a big farm in the Smoky Mountains, big, beautiful farm in the Smoky Mountains. And he gave up his practice, sold his farm and everything, and went to be a missionary in the island of Grenada. And the island of Grenada was not even as big as his farm was. You understand what I'm trying to say? And somebody said, how can you give all this up? And his response was, I never gave anything up for God. See, that's, that's the beginning of this great adventure that goes with God. Now, I want to I just put some words here together for you and just say a few things that I hope will be meaningful for you. And the first word is adventure, this great adventure. I want you to think about Peter with me just for a moment. I want you to think about his life. What would his life have been like without Christ? Well, he probably would have had a good life. He would have been a fisherman. He spent his entire life right there around the Sea of Galilee. And, 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 you know, that probably would have been the extent of his life. But let me tell you what happened with Peter when he followed Christ. Let me tell you what happened. He's the only man in the world outside of Jesus Christ who ever walked on water. He was the one who preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. That first great Christian message where 3,000 souls came to know Christ as their personal Savior. He was the one who preached. He was the one who preached to Cornelius and opened the door to the Gentiles. And folks, that covers us today. He was the one who preached that, that day and opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. It was Simon, Simon Peter. Now what about, what about how he was rescued from, uh, from prison in the, in the fifth chapter of Acts? God's angel came. The chains fell off of him. There were, there were soldiers chained to him. There were soldiers at the, at, at the door to where he was. And, and somehow they fell into some kind of trance. The chains fell off him. Uh, he followed that angel out. As he followed out, they went through by two groups of guards. And the guards didn't seem to see them. And then they came to the great gate of the prison. And the gate just opened. And then they walked out the street for a little bit. And then the angel was gone. You remember that story? 
What an experience with God. Can you imagine the experience that this guy had with the Lord? And then, uh, you know, Acts chapter 3. He and John are there in the temple. There's a lame man there. He says, silver and gold, I don't have any. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the guy got up and walked. And the miracles. In Acts chapter 5, it said people would bring their, their lame and they would lay so that the shadow of Peter would fall upon them and they would be healed. And they were healed. You get the picture of what I'm talking about? He left there, left Jerusalem, and went to, went to Antioch and became, traditionally, became leader of the church at Antioch, and then later on, leader of the church at Rome. Uh, what would his life have been like without Christ, and what a great adventure with Christ? This is a biblical story. You think about Moses for a minute. Moses is out there taking care of sheep in the desert. He could have spent his entire life out there taking care of sheep in the desert. But God chose him to lead God's people out of captivity into liberty. And he did so. And, you, you know, you can just you can talk about Paul. Paul could have spent his entire life persecuting the Christians. But God came to him and he preached the, 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 the message of Christ all over the known world in that particular day. The, the adventure of following Christ. What, what, if, what if those guys that day had said no? And we know from, from Luke chapter 9, just a few chapters over, verse 57 and following, we know that there were people that Jesus called to follow him and said no. What if they had said no? But they didn't say no. They followed him. And they followed him into that, that great adventure that, that, that was all that was there. Moses, Paul, even Luke. And then I, I want to say that adventure is still there today. Some of you know the story of the crossing the switchblade. You know the story of David Wilkerson. You know how he was an Assembly of God pastor and how God called him to go to New York and work with the gangs of New York and how he went there. And, and, and he details uh, his life there uh, Saving of those, those uh, gang members, Nicky Cruz and the rest of those guys who themselves became evangelists. This great adventure because he followed, he followed God's will. And I want to tell you today, as an old man, I can remember the day when I felt God's calling upon my life to follow him. And I had alternatives. I was in the Marine Corps. I loved the Marine Corps. I loved the Marine Corps. I loved being a Marine. I didn't love being in Vietnam, but I loved being a Marine. And the promotions had come quickly. And I knew I had a future in the Marine Corps. And my former employer, who was a, a well-to-do contractor in California that I worked for before I went to the Marine Corps, he had offered me a job to come and be his partner. And ultimately, as he retired, take over that business. Very, I, I, I don't know that he was uh, rich, but he was very well-to-do and did very well. And we had the choices before us. And we made the choice to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, if I had my life to live over again, I would make exactly the same choice because wonderful things have happened to us in our lives We've seen miracles that you wouldn't believe. 
We've seen healings that you wouldn't believe. We've seen churches raised from the dead. I mean, I mean, God has done wonderful things to us in our lives. We, we, we tried to serve him in California. We tried to serve him in Mexico. We tried to serve him in El Paso. And then here in this, this particular area. And, and this, I'm telling you my honest truth. This is the, this is the wonderful adventure that, that Lou and I, uh, when she was so sick and, and we were so afraid of what was going to happen to her, she turned to me. And she said, you know, we've had a wonderful life. Now listen, everybody's not a preacher. Everybody's not a Peter. Everybody's not a Moses. But God has a wonderful adventure for us, no matter who we are, if we will follow him in our life. And we will come to see some of those wonderful things happen. And we will look back on our lives, any of us, and say, what a wonderful life God has given to me because I followed him. That's the story. That's the adventure. So important. Second word is obedience. You know, I've already talked about this. Peter could have said, I know what I'm doing, but at your word I'll go. I thought about Abraham. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Abraham, when he was called to go to a land that he would possess as his own, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Boy, for those of us who are control freaks, that's a hard deal. He didn't know where he was going. All he knew was God had called him, and God had called him to go. And he went. And out of that obedience, he became the father of the faithful and the father of the believers. Uh, what about Noah? What about Noah? Build an ark, Noah. Build an ark. I'm going to bring a rain on this country. Noah living in a desert country. You know, he didn't, we don't know exactly what he said, because it just says all it said was, Noah did what he told him to do. It may not make sense. We may wonder why in the world. But when God tells us to do something. And, and obedience comes from obedience to the Word. Absolutely. But it's also obedience to the living Word when the Lord leads us to do something that we have the courage to do what the Lord leads us to do. I think of people that were normal people. I think of a woman who came to me in El Paso when I was pastor there and said, I believe we need a prayer ministry in our church. And because, you know, we took it to the church, we, we started the prayer ministry, and she formed that prayer ministry. And I, all kinds of different parts in that prayer ministry that were involved. And she died about five, minutes, five years later. But I want to tell you now, folks, I want to tell you now, 35 years later, that prayer ministry is still very much alive in that church. Something that lasted beyond her, if you, if you get what I'm trying to say. I, I remember the, the man, the deacon, who came to me when I was in my first church and said, Tomorrow night, this is on Sunday, so tomorrow night, Monday, I'm going to come out and get you. I want you to take some notes because you and I are going visiting. We didn't have a visitation program. And I was a young pastor. I was still in seminary. I didn't know anything. We went visiting. And the two of us visited for a year. After a year, we divided up and took two more. 
And, and you know, four years later, when I left that church, we had 16 of us that were going out every, every Monday. And today, that's a great church. And today, they're still growing and they still have an outreach ministry. And he died many years ago. I'm talking about a legacy that lives beyond us if we're obedient. If we're obedient to God. The third word. Blessings. The blessings are always found in the deep water. The blessings are always found in the deep water. We got too many shallow water Christians. Too many. And what God doesn't want us to do is stand around the edge and put our toes in the water. He doesn't even want us to sit on the edge and dangle our feet in the water. He doesn't even want us to wade in the, in the kiddie pool. He wants us to get out in the deep water. That's where the blessings are. Out there in the deep water. Our son, when he was about, I think, seven, maybe eight, uh, we were living down in Mexico, and, and you know, we, we sent him to uh, a school where they train you to know how to, uh, to swim, you know, and he got, went through the whole school and didn't learn how to swim. And uh, I'm sure none of you know this experience, but he, he didn't know how to swim. And so we are there. Uh, we had to come out to McAllen there for our papers were messed up, and we had to come out and try to get our papers squared away. We were in McAllen in a, in a motel, and, and uh, they had a swimming pool there. And I can remember uh, my wife standing there uh, with my son, and he, we're on the low jump board, diving board, and, and I'm down in the water. And she, my son's out there on the edge of the uh, of the the board, and I'm out. I'm down the water, and I said, "Jump! I'll take care of you. I'll see that you're you're all right. If you start going under, I'll take care of you." My wife is encouraging him, and we took two hours, <laughs> two hours, trying to get him to jump. She wasn't going to push him. He had to make that decision on on his own. Two hours trying to get him to jump. And then finally, he jumped. And sure enough, he started dog paddling, went right over to the shore. I didn't have to touch him or anything, you know. And then after that, you couldn't stop it. He'd, he'd jump in the water, swim over there, come around here, jump in the water, swim over there. And I may have told you all this story before. I don't know if I have or not. And so the next day we're out there, and there's this woman sunbathing out there, you know. And, and he, she, he, was still, he was having so much fun swimming in deep water. He'd jump in the water, swim over there, Come around, jump in the water, swim over there, come around. You know, he was so happy that he was able to swim in the deep water. And, and, and this, this lady said, oh, now she, this is what she said. This is actually what she said. Oh, God, he's going to do it again. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, I, uh, Sam Shoemaker, who was the pastor that was involved in the beginning of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Sam Shoemaker had a sermon in which he said, going far enough for the fun. Going far enough for the fun. That was his sermon. And he said, if you just hang around and you don't go far enough with the Lord, you'll never get to the point where your Christian life is fun. Going far enough for the fun. That's exactly my My son is jumping into deep water, having all the fun in the world. I'm telling you folks, you don't have that kind of fun dangling your toes in the water. You don't have that kind of fun unable to make a commitment. You don't have that kind of fun when you're afraid to jump in the deep water. The blessings come in the deep water. 
adventure, adventure, obedience, and blessings. That is, that's what I'm calling you to. Calling you to follow the Lord. Adventure, obedience, and blessings. Let's pray together. Help us to see this message, Lord. Help us to learn from this message. Help us to find a way to apply it to our own lives. And Father, if there's somebody here who needs to get out in the deep water, help us to have the courage to do it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have our altar call time. And um, I want to invite you. By the way, I'll put on my mask. But I want you to know, I'm over the hard part of, uh, of you can come talk to me. It's okay. I'm not contagious anymore. All right? I put on my mask. But uh, if you need to make a decision, uh, please come. Please come make that decision. We're going to sing together. This is the time for decision. Oh.